Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. And I'm Marika Hart from Perisphere. Together, we interview leading authorities, and we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects related to women's health. Please remember that the materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and they are for entertainment purposes only. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favourite beverage or do your thing and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. We've got a very special uh, set of guests here today. We've got Brianna Battles, and she's the headline guest. But we've got Hayley Shebner here as well. And we've got Theresa Wasser. And, of course, my trusty co-host, Marika Hart in Perth. If you see me looking over my shoulder, it's because the computer is over my shoulder. So, you know, <laughs> and I like to look at Marika because we give each other invisible cues like, it's your turn. No, no, it's your turn. <laughs> so it's Actually, all- it's also those little, um, those little, little jokes that I, I pull a little face and he'll start giggling about something completely unrelated. Yes, that's right. It's, uh, it's always fun on video. So if you're listening to the podcast, I'm very happy for you to listen to the podcast. But on the video, we get fun stuff too. <laughs> Like this. Hey, live on the podcast. Uh, for those listening, Haley just took a live video of being recorded on the podcast. Awesome. I've got I've got serious serious FOMO now. I wish I was there with you all. You Why don't you tell all the audience where you are? We're we're in Nevada, which is uh, north of San Francisco, about what, half an hour? Forty minutes. 40 minutes north of San Francisco. <laughs> the facility is um, amazing. We're about to teach a female athlete course. So, um, you know, I've got these three uh, part of my team of five this weekend. We've got, um, we've got a pretty much sold out course. Um, so we've been having dinner, we've been planning the course, but we took the opportunity to record this podcast tonight. So, um, Welcome, Brianna. Why don't you quickly tell us a very little bit about yourself before we launch in. Marika's going to ask the first question. So um, start with with uh, telling us a bit about yourself. And as you know, our podcast doesn't take itself very seriously. We're very chilled and relaxed. So let's just let this conversation go. Oh, I like that you said quickly tell us about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really know where to start with that one. but. Um... I guess professionally, I'm a women's strength and conditioning coach. I founded Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism, and I work with a lot of pregnant and postpartum athletes, and then that uh, evolved into coaching coaches and practitioners on how to uh, work with this population in a coaching setting. Um, So a range of athletes from, yes, CrossFit, but running to boot camp to yoga, whatever, like really a top-down approach to athleticism. Um, it started, like I've been in this industry, like the strength conditioning industry for over 10 years, but it started, um, to transition into really narrowing my focus to working with pregnant and postpartum athletes after I had my first son Cade almost six years ago, um, where I realized that there was just like, I had 
felt very misguided and misled by a lot of the messaging that um, had infiltrated my circle as an athlete because if you didn't identify with pink dumbbells and yoga, you obviously could keep doing what you had always done if you just listened to your body. And my doctor told me it was okay. And so it was like that be a badass mentality. And I was not ready to um, let go of my ego and identity and ability as an athlete, um, even though like motherhood was begging me to do it. And I just really struggled like in a lot of ways. And it wasn't until I got um, humbled significantly postpartum that I realized like what I had why, like, why had I gravitated so much to that? And I knew I wasn't alone. And now I was looking for a lot of answers about my body and about like my overall approach and then seeing myself and so many others of my peers. Um, and then just social media, like really exposed a lot of pieces within that. Um, and so I don't know, it just, it really led me down a route in the strength and conditioning field that uh, tried to connect the dots between women's health and performance and trying to learn from as many people as I could to keep connecting those dots. And that's been the continued trend for the past six years. So I think that's that part of me. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a massive journey. I still, um, sorry, Anthony, I think we talked at the same time there. I still sort of have this recollection, Brianna, of this picture of you um, with this heavy bar above your head and you were, I don't know, nine months pregnant or something. Is how, how far along were you? Yeah, that's about right. Very pregnant. Yeah. Um, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of people that, I think that post resonated with a lot of people because you, you said something at the time that you just didn't know at that, like no one had ever said to you, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Right. It was very much that lukewarm messaging of like, yeah, if you feel fine, um, right. keep doing what you're doing. Do you remember through your pregnancy um, getting any signals from your body or remembering sort of feeling like, eh, I wonder if I should dial this back a bit? Um, do you have any recollections of that time and whether you were kind of ignoring it and pushing it aside because you thought that it was going to be okay? No, I felt fine, truly. Like I felt yeah. fine and very resilient and very experienced and very knowledgeable about my body. Um, it was more of the big picture that I was unwilling to take into account because physically and any symptoms wise, I felt fine. And even postpartum, I felt fine. And that was after a really traumatic birth. It's like our bodies are so resilient. It was just like, what was my reasoning? Did I have really good justification for that when there was a lot of, um, there was things that I could have and should have done differently. And I don't know how much that would have influenced my long-term outcome. But it was a consideration that I wish would have been talked about so that I could have made more informed choices or wouldn't have sat back for a few years and just been, I was so resentful and angry and pissed that like, why wasn't this talked about? Why was um, being an athlete, like a pregnant athlete glorified without talk of like just different considerations and adjustments to make that extended beyond like, well, how do you do a modification for a burpee? Like, that's not special information. Um, but then like generic advice, like, but don't lift over 20 pounds just makes any athlete want to like rally against that conservative message. So where's the middle ground? And the middle ground did not exist until very recently. And I have tried to like wave my flags of like middle ground where 
you have nothing to prove, but you're also not like, you're not fragile, but you're fragile. not invisible. And, um, and just try to, to talk long-term performance and long-term goals and mitigating potential injuries in the ways that you can control because there's so many variables that we can't control, but we're told if you're really fit and you just train hard and if you eat paleo, then you're obviously going to have a special natural birth with no complications and then you're gonna bounce back. And like that message is really, um, very preached in the like athlete mom world. So we associate fitness and our level of ability with uh, pregnancy and childbirth and labor and motherhood experience. And it's just bullshit. Brianna, like you were saying that you think the messaging has changed more recently. I Would that I, be fair to say? I do think so. Um, and I, I've worked really damn hard to do that. And I've done that in a way that sits well with, um, that, that sits well with my integrity and in a way that's been proven to be really successful and meaningful and important in the lives of a lot of athletes. And now with the coaches that know how to communicate to athletes and, um, and that's out of everything that I do, that's what I'm really, I'm probably most proud about is like, we're changing the overall approach to how a woman navigates a really important and vulnerable chapter in their life as a woman and also their lifetime of athleticism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's great to see so many, like online, you know, I get tagged in on things or I see things that come up and um, you get tagged in on a lot of things. And it's fantastic to see people talking about mindset and, hey, consider these things and be mindful. Like, it's great to see the narrative change and to know that you've played such a big part in that has been fantastic. You know, um, I have been a, a big um, supporter of how words can scar. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, as we were talking about earlier, dinner tonight you know like supporting anybody who is teaching the same sort of message it's just so easy to to support that message and um and you know you reach far more people than i do it's been fantastic to see your influence on that and to see the world change because of that and don't let anybody take that away from you you know that was you um and and i just want to honor what you've done in that in that space and in that sphere and you know it's fantastic thank you Ooh, yeah thank you it's i call it um like athlete brain because i think mindset has like so much kind of fluff around it where it's like well, this <laughs> has to improve your mindset and you're like okay yeah. like you know mindfulness like i just was at a conference and they tried to have like a mindfulness moment and i'm like <laughs> I need to take my laundry out. I didn't respond to those five emails. Shit, I need to do that. So I was going to babysit Kate on Monday. And I'm like, clearly this like mindset to work is like, you know, like that's really hard for me. Um, so when I, I talk about athlete brain as being something that's just more of like, know your reasons, like, and be able to back up your reasons. And if you have to second guess something, you probably already have your answer. And can you measure risk versus reward? Do you know like how to 
how to really walk the spectrum of considerations for your body and not just what Fit Mommy on social media was showing because that's not who you should be getting your information from. And, and really just understanding your body during a different chapter and then understanding your reasoning for X, Y, or Z during this chapter. And I think people need to be taught how to do that and how to consider that more than just like, oh, it's about mindset. You know, like what? No, it's, it's really just like an overall approach to how you're going to, um, to walk this path, I guess. Absolutely. I, I think the thing is with, um, with athletes, I mean, I don't do, I mean, I do some work with athletes, obviously, but that's not the large portion of my work. But in, in many ways, they're, I was going to say, they're easy to, easier to deal with in some ways and very difficult in others. The difficulty can be that um, it, it can be a bit of an all or nothing, you know, go hard, go home mentality. But having said that, the, the advantage of working with athletes is that if they have a goal or plan, if they have a goal and they have plans, um, as long as they are, as long as you are connecting and you have that relationship where um, they understand that you are there to support them and help them get towards their goals, they will pretty much do everything right. Like um, because they have, they've chart. If oh God, I've got verbal diarrhea. But you know, if they've worked towards an event and they have seen all the ways that they can get there, birth is like an event, right? Like it's something that you somewhat can train and prepare for. And the postnatal period too. Like if you have a goal, um, I am just totally talking rubbish. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I followed you. So I, I think that like with birth and postpartum and, and even pregnancy, there's so many uncontrollable variables. And for athletes, like they can feel like they failed if one of those variables did not go their intended way. And, and I think that's really challenging. We have to be careful it, as coaches and practitioners and on our social media platforms about saying like if you are this way and if you do these things and this is your outcome because for an athlete who's like I'm good at controlling everything and when something doesn't go my way I'm like oh what could I have done differently and like even in the chapter of life I'm in right now which is not I mean yeah postpartum is forever but like I have different considerations currently I'm still going what can I control what did I miss why is this happening like what could i have done and i see so many athletes spiral and you mentioned that like you know some of the maybe higher level athletes are more willing to comply and make adjustments um sometimes yes but again so much of it is caught up in their identity and they're told well you know like a someone i just consulted with who very high level was told like well if you know, you can keep doing this. Like you're still athletic enough. And it's not a matter of like, if they physically can do it, it's like, why, what's the benefit there? What's like, it's not, we're not questioning your ability. Yeah. Of course you have a great athletic foundation ability. Like you can outperform me at nine months pregnant any day of the week. Like that's not, it's not an athletic ability thing. It's like, what are the consequences to X, Y, and Z and being able to weigh that? And how is that going to um, how, like the structural changes or hormonal changes that you're experiencing during pregnancy, how's that going to translate into your postpartum chapter? Because exercise is something that can be controlled. When we talk about what variables we can control, exercise is one of them. Labor is not. Birth is not. Postpartum symptoms, not until you can get some help and maybe some intervention and then you learn strategies to help manage and control. But there's just so many things and it's usually like, yeah, some of my higher level, like really high level athletes trying to make a run for the games, Olympics, like really competitive runners. 
they might be more willing to, you know, kind of game plan, but it seems to be the middle of the road athletes that just want to go to CrossFit five days a week and be in their class, be in their environment. They're 32 years old. They have two kids and now they just want to keep doing what they've always done because they found this thing now and they don't want to let go of that thing. And so they're going to hold on to that thing for as long as they can. And so they have a really hard time, even they don't have a professional career attached to it they have like their worth attached to that. And I think the second you start getting your worth so caught up in what you can do, it's just a matter of time before that backfires because fitness is fleeting in a lot of ways. We hope it's something that we can have access to for our lifetime. But like if that's all you are and all you do and all you can solicit happiness from and all you can solicit health from, we're missing a piece of that conversation. God, you guys. <laughs> I was just waiting to hear the mic finally hitting the ground because of the mic drop. I could just go on and go on. Yeah. No, totally, totally. It's um, it's so important. There, know. there is just so much in that. That was awesome, Brianna. <laughs> you get all ten minutes, and that's it. That's a real challenge. I'm just thinking about all our postnatal runners. Sure. And I think identity is, is a big thing, you know, and um, like what you said, it's where you put your identity and, you know, in the work that I do, lots of people put their identity in, you know, physical therapists put their identity in the method that they follow or the person that they follow or the thing that they teach. And as soon as you start to take that down, people feel extremely threatened, start doing all sorts of irrational things. Um, and that's the sort of thing that is all about uh, having your identity attacked. So just the fact that we've got to consider, oh, where's my identity? Where are we going with this? I think it's definitely that evolution of thought and maturity that needs to occur so that people can move on from, you know, identifying as, oh, I'm only, a, I'm only of worth because of my ability to exercise, right? Right. And I recently, there's been a lot of talk of, well, I don't want to give up this or that. And I don't want to make adjustments here because it's, it really helps me manage my mental health. And like, great, me too. Me too, girl. But like, if that is your only way to manage your mental health, that says a lot to me. And I think that that solicits some more attention than just trying to out-exercise anxiety, depression, identity, and a lot of things that so many of my type A athletes really struggle with. And I know, yeah, that's a generalization, but like so many people when put into a really transformative transitional chapter in their life struggle, whether it's a diagnosis or not, it's just a hard time in life to go from this is who I was, this is who I currently am, I want these babies, I want this kid, I signed up for this, or maybe I didn't, and like, I don't know. It's a really hard, it's a really challenging time when you're going from one version of yourself into a new version and there's no going back. So this body back bullshit messaging is so counterintuitive to the reality of there's no going back. You are moving forward with your circumstance and a new life to figure out. And some people maybe adapt really easily and other people have a lot of different things they're having to adapt to, not just the baby, but a changed body a changed brain, a changed outcome than what they had like had on this pedestal 
of how they thought their birth was going to be, how they thought their fitness was going to be, what they thought their body was going to be or do or whatever. And like, we don't have a lot of, like people are so caught off guard. Like I know like in Haley, the, the work that Haley does, like people are like, I didn't even know what prolapse was. I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, and now diastasis is like so popular. And all my messages are like, Brie, I have a two finger diastasis. And I definitely like worst case scenario would be getting surgery. And I was like, dude, like, do you know anything about me? Like, this is crazy. Like, so we have such extreme, um, the perceptions out there are so extreme. It's either like, I have no idea what anything is or OMG, diastasis, surgery's horrible and one finger or something I should absolutely be so concerned about when like, it's really just providing general education to people so that they're not so caught off guard, which they can help the mental health side of it where they're like, I know what this is. I know that there's help. I know it's not worst case scenario, no matter what it is. There's a lot of forms of support for that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up diastasis. Um, and I want to make sure that Teresa and Haley, you know, feel like they can chip in here, but, um, what has been your take on how people have, you know, treated or, or dealt with the diastasis issue throughout the years, I suppose. Tell us a bit about your diastasis journey, maybe some of your beliefs. You know, um, yeah, you have a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just want to make sure. Um, I think there's been a really significant pendulum swing because six years ago, it's not like I was under a rock. I was very much involved in the fitness community, had great coaches. Um, all my whole background is strength and conditioning and coaching. And there was no mention of pelvic health or women's health or anything like that. You know, pregnancy that just was not part of it. Um, and so it went from like, OMG, like what's wrong with my abs? And like, why is my belly button like kind of funny? And this was after I had Cade and it wasn't a matter of like loose skin necessarily. It was just like something's up and I don't know exactly what it is. And it wasn't body fat because I was pretty lean at that time. And it was just trying to understand this changed body because I was told you're fit you're obviously going to just bounce back and be stronger than you were before. And like, and I was strong, like I didn't have crazy symptoms. Like you hear a lot of, about people who have diastasis and they're like, and I can't work out and I can't bend over, you know, or like whatever, where it's almost like really extreme variations of, of symptoms or what they are kind of blaming diastasis on. And I use air quotes there because it, it might be very true to them. But I just think that, um, so there wasn't a lot of awareness in my circle back then. It was just really a glorification of like, if you're fit, you're going to keep being fit. It's going to make everything easier and just very blanketed statements and approach to it. So there was no mention of diastasis, no mention of the pelvic floor, anything. And so I felt really like caught off guard and really like duped and misinformed because I was like, well, I was following people that like should have known about this. If they were working with pregnant women and postpartum women, why was that not part of that conversation? So then I was like resentful and angry that like this should have been common sense. And why was it not common? I should have known better. 
I work in this field. I work with women. Why didn't I know what this is? So it led me down like a crazy path of like Googling and researching and trying to connect with different people and learning and literally fast forward quite a few years um, of just going through my own process of learning about my body, trying to really understand um, different ways to improve and communicate everything from, well, just don't do crunches to um, like, to just, okay, it's not just exercises. It's a change in uh, how you do the exercises. It's a change in strategy. Okay. Now it's individualized. And then from there, just like, you know, just not really making rules, but just saying it's really just about having really good body awareness for on behalf of yourself. And then as a coach, like understanding the person in front of you and being able to make game time decisions for them and know that like, for the most part, I don't think people need to be that freaked out about a diastasis. And I say this as somebody who like, very frankly, like, was very freaked out about it and I'm still freaked out in so many ways about my own body and what it's been through and like it's like is that the really the worst case scenario is a diastasis no and why are we framing anything about our bodies postpartum as a worst case scenario and you know Haley and I talk about that a lot because in the diastasis world apparently I'm a worst case scenario now I had an abdominal plasty like almost I guess almost three months ago and in a lot of ways that's like you know and and I had quite a few considerations I don't feel like I have to defend them but just for context it's like I had an umbilical mesh repair uh, hernia repair at a year postpartum from my first son so this was five years ago because I was told well that's what's wrong with your belly button obviously it's not this eight centimeter ten centimeter diastasis you have um, so like they slapped mesh over fascia and on I went with my life, but still trying to figure out what was up with my abs. Then I got pregnant again, grew another very giant baby and you know, you can't prevent a diastasis. I mean, you can't, like there was zero things I could have done to prevent how that child grew in me the second time around. I had all the tools and strategies and still a very significant diastasis. And I was afraid to have another baby again because of what it would do to my body after this, like, at that point it had been, you know, like a three-year cycle of just trying to learn about my body, manage it, get to a place where I felt like I had really healed and and just, just you know, you just want to understand your body. Like, for me, that was what it was. It wasn't, like, about getting to this, like, this perfect place. It was, like, I just wanted to feel like I understood my body. And then, um, so yeah, I had, I got pregnant with Chance. He was 10 pounds, um, just huge. I was huge. He was huge. Everything was huge. Um, and so I knew, like, I felt really confident in my postpartum recovery because it was like I knew what to do. Um, I wasn't as, like, you know, when you have a game plan of understanding of your body, you're not going through that cycle of trying to Google and like find fit mommy blogs to read for your information. Like you don't, you have you need to skip over all of that because you already know who your people are. You already know like how to cut out a lot of the noise and the BS. Um, so I felt pretty good in my choices and, and process in the postpartum chapter. Um, but I also knew that like the mesh did not hold very well during that second pregnancy and it just felt funny, it looked different. Um, and I had a significant diastasis. Was I still strong? Yes. Was I still functional? 
Yes. Did I have symptoms? No. Like, and you know, I started to consider a lot of different options ranging from, well, they just get an umbilical plasty and then really walking this line of like, well, what's next for me? I've gotten myself really far with rehab and I've sustained a rehabilitative approach to my core and athleticism and understanding how to progress and regress for five years now. This isn't like I've put in what I could put in. I didn't need to walk this crazy rehab path because I had that foundation established. Um, so I ended up having that surgery, which was now, yeah. So like in February of 2019, and um, that's not an easy decision to make because it was scary and a lot of what ifs and I'm already a really high anxiety kind of person and I went through every, well, what I thought was like every scenario and like, and I'm still dealing with like, was this right? I don't know, but it's still too early to tell. And like, I just, I'm just kind of in my own process again, just trying to learn as I go and people there are like kind of looking to me to have answers or, or know how to navigate this. And I'm, I'm learning and talk to me in a year. I'll have some more information by then because I will have walked my own path. But like right now I'm in the trenches of just trying to learn and collect information, collect like basic data on my own experience. And then what's been ironic is just comparing it to people that I know who've also had the surgery. It's like there are similarities, but there's so many differences that like we just don't know. And it's not a bad option. It's just an option. And for me, I had to walk that path of knowing when that was the right option for me. But I think that there's a lot of stigma um, with this surgery and a lot of stigma that I've kind of experienced. And while the majority of people are very kind, unfortunately, it's the, it's the comments that stick out at you that aren't very kind that you're like, oh, I guess people do think that. And it's not just the ones who comment. It's the ones that like, you know, don't comment and don't have something to say that have like these really strong opinions and it just makes you feel kind of insecure. And then when there's more people watching you and you're supposed to like know a lot about this thing and like, that's just a lot of responsibility. And I, I don't know, want to make good choices and whatever, but I don't know what that even looks like. I think for, for you and for Haley as well, it's been so amazing being able to follow your journeys. And I think it's, so incredibly helpful for people to actually be able to to hear from you and see you and and know that there's someone out there who's experienced a similar thing um which is it's been i'm sure incredibly powerful for so many people but it does put a lot of responsibility on you and people look to you for your for all the answers um and wanting wanting solutions and i guess if something works really well for you as a thought leader their expectation is well hang on that didn't work for me she's full of shit and right. you're like, no, 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 this, 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 this is my story. Right. This, this is what worked for me. I can't take responsibility for the entire world right. when it comes to diastasis and prolapse, you know, like this is my journey. We're all learning. Oh my God. Anthony and I talk about this. We, we learn all the time, you know, like every week we just think about something different um, or, or a client of ours will show us that we're completely wrong about something, you know? Um, so thank you for putting yourselves out there is what I would say, because I think it's, it's very brave. Um, and I find it incredulous that people would want to criticize you for your decisions on your body. Um, that just kind of blows my mind. 
people have a lot of opinions on what women do with their bodies. So <laughs> I just am experiencing it in a way that I never really anticipated. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really important to share. And I know that like, it would have been really nice to, um, to have more information because it's just, it feels like a lonely place to come to that decision. And then there's like your own shame and your own stigma of like, well, did I do enough? Is it really worth it? Like I looked better before than I currently do right now, which is like a weird thing for me, like in my head, because I'm swollen and I have this nasty scar. And I'm like, oh my God, like I should have just been okay enough with my stupid mesh and eight centimeter diastasis. And like, but is that really rational or is that just like my brain being an asshole, you know? So like, that's where I teeter totter a lot right now. And I think a lot of people are sitting in that chapter of feeling like, was this the right choice? Was it not? And like, and I can relate that back to when I was learning about more about diastasis for me, which was like, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this instead. Why didn't I know? And like, you just teeter totter back with like, you just become your own worst enemy of like what you could have done differently or what you should have known. And like, there's so many things that I prepared for with this surgery and all of those things are going great. It's the things that like, I couldn't really prepare for. I didn't know a lot about that. I'm like, well, shit, now I have to learn about scar management. Like I didn't want to have to learn about skin and scar healing, but here we are. So like you just, it's like this evolution of like, you're never going to stop learning and we are our own best, like guinea pigs in a lot of ways. And I just try to be really forthcoming and like, I don't know everything. I, I feel very confident in what I do know and then confident knowing that that'll probably change in the next year. And like, those are the things that I feel confident in is like what I'm currently saying and knowing that I'm going to change my mind on the sooner end probably. And that I have to go through my own process personally in order to feel even kind of confident with what I put out to other coaches and athletes that might be in a similar position. And then just saying like, we don't need hard data for them. They just need empathy and support and saying like, you know, you don't need to feel judged for your choice or your circumstance, no matter what that looks like and how can I support you or direct you to somebody who can't support you. I was just going to say, there are so many reasons for having, um, for having the surgery and all of them are valid. And if a woman wants to have surgery for aesthetics reasons, that's that's her decision and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and it, it makes me very grumpy when i see people talk about you know glory you know it's a tummy tuck and she's so vain and she's just had a baby shouldn't she be happy and it's like well you know what that is none of your business and whatever a woman chooses to do for her body is up to her so back off yeah i think like people want to hold I don't know. I've, I had never really experienced it that much until this past year where things that I've said, choices that I've made where people were like, oh, like it started when I said that I was going to have a gentle repeat cesarean with chance and people were like, well, why wouldn't you just have a V-back? That's better. And it's like, well, better for who? And then it turned into like, you know, and then it turned into when I got the abdominal plasty. It was like, well, did you try this? Did you try that? And I'm like, do you not know? Like, before you ask me what I tried, why don't you look up anything that I've ever written or done? It's all there for you. Like, so people just want to, like, assume this, 
like power of well, I know what's best. But what works for me or you or you or you is not like the way, it's a way. And mm-hmm. uh and there's we can follow evidence, we can follow like our our practice and what we know and what we see, but like having these dogmatic beliefs and generalizations, it's not really helping anyone. Totally agree. Um, before I, I did want to ask you a couple of other things, but Teresa, did you have anything to add, Haley? Well, I think just remembering that we are all an N equals one, right? So not having to put that responsibility that your experience is going to be your experience and what works for you isn't necessarily going to work for other people. And, you know, I think that all the same principles that we apply for our postpartum women anyways, and all the things that uh, Anthony talks about in terms of, you know, the how we do the exercise, not which exercise, and, you know, creating our rehab program for the individual in front of that, in front of us, none of that changes whether we've had a diastasis repair or not. All those exact same principles apply. It's just what's going on with the athlete or the patient if you're a physio in front of you. And everything is still going to be the exact same things that we apply. They just have had something else that's happened to their body. And we're going to be working through this with them based on where they're at and what their goals are. Um, So, yeah. And I think it actually helps to say that I've, I've walked the spectrum, you know, and like tell people that like I have literally walked the entire spectrum from not knowing anything to learning like literally as much as I possibly could to a point of being somewhat neurotic and then choosing surgery. And now I'm learning more about recovering from surgery and realizing all the things that I don't know and valuing all the things that I do know because I've seen how like the, what I did know has translated really well into my recovery. And I know that I've had a, at least from a functional standpoint, knock on wood, things have gone really well for me in how I feel in my body from the inside out. Um, and like you just, and so I think it's helpful to be able to say like, you know, I've walked a spectrum. And so instead of being like, oh, well, I had to get surgery. It's more of like, I, I, I have been in every scenario and I get it and I remember where you've been or I can relate my experience to your experience and it might not be the same, but I understand that feeling of like, oh my God, I've just been searching and I feel like this or I feel like that or I did this and I should have done that. And like you, we can connect really well as coaches and practitioners when you can use aspects of your own experience in life or even that of like a client that can be shared. Cause I think just people feel alone and stressed and like that they're this unique case when really we all know that like, no one is that special. Like we all have a lot of similarities yeah. and it's yeah. Like individual things, but overall like it's, we're not alone in a lot of the emotions that are attached to whatever our circumstances are. Mm. I, um, I, I know your story, right? I, yeah. well, I know bits of your story. <laughs> We've had a few chats. Just a few. Just a few. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would love for our listeners to hear from your experiences as somebody who's gone on such an extensive journey and, commitment to learning that I've seen um, 
what have been some of the most unhelpful things that have made you feel the lowest of the low and what some of the best things that you've heard from athletes, trainers, coaches, practitioners, um, what are some of those things that really encouraged you when you needed encouragement or really tore you down when you were already feeling down? Um, what, what are some of the things that people can be listening for that are helpful or very helpful? As an athlete or a coach? <laughs> As a person. Oh, um, I think just what wasn't helpful was feeling like, why didn't I know? And I just, and that was more just of my own narrative. Um, cause I just, I kept trying to blame, like, why was I, why was my ego so big that I thought I was exempt and why did I put so much trust into people that like, frankly, shouldn't I have done a better job of like assessing their expertise if I'm following their advice? Like, how did I miss that? And like, that really wasn't helpful. And, and yeah, in a lot of ways it kicked me in the ass to become everything that I needed. And I have, and I'm really freaking proud of that because I know that was a huge thing that was missing um, in our community. Um, but like things that weren't helpful was feeling and to this day, like, like imposter syndrome, like who am I to go on and coach this level of athlete? Who am I to go on and try to coach other coaches? Like I am not special, like, but, and, but then also being able to override that in say like something that like Brene Brown always says it's like well why not me why not like I can do I don't do everything well but I do me well and I can bring in others to fill in where I I need it and um but just feeling like not always supported um because I'm because I'm a younger coach, because I hadn't been doing this my whole life, because I'm not a physiotherapist. Um, and so getting like lost in that. And then when I have been challenged of like, of like my worth being challenged from other people um, who I respected and then feeling like really just, um, I don't know, like I wasn't meant to be here, but then also knowing like in my heart that I was and like having to, to really just stay true to me and knowing my intentions despite what others might think, because while that might be a few people, there's thousands of people who I've impacted and, and that's, I have to stay focused mm -hmm. on that. Um, some things that really helped me was stuff like this, like connecting with other professionals, like Haley's been a game changer. And I'm not just saying that she's sitting right next to me <laughs> falling asleep. <laughs> um, but just like having people that professionally and personally get it, who like I can just be myself with and a friend, but also like have nerdy conversations with and just like talk it out. It's really helpful because my husband can only handle so much diastasis talk um, and he's freaking worthless with it anyway. Um, so like, and then just having people who are like genuine and just want to. So yeah, I guess like the professional, like 
connection with colleagues. And like Teresa, like when I was like making my decision to have an abdominal plastic, she was like, well, like, you know, I had one, right? And I was like, no, no, I didn't. Tell me about this. Let's talk actually. Yeah. Like we're going to actually talk for the next hour. So I hope you clear your schedule, girlfriend. Um, and In so, London. yes, <laughs> well, I kept you up very late. I'm sorry. Um, so just, yeah. So at a personal level and professional level, the people that are willing to just like hold you and connect and talk and make you feel like you're not alone. And I'm somebody who has to like a lot of like talk it out and process in order for me to know how I feel about a thing. It takes me a long time to figure out how I feel about a thing. And so having people that can be in it with me and hold it here, I'm pointing to my, to my head. <laughs> um, so like hold it like, yeah, like go like brain to brain, but also heart to heart. Like that's what I have needed a lot as a coach and then as a athlete human mom. <laughs> that sounds like a, like a athlete human mom. Well, like yeah, all those all those things, everything else that I am, yeah. So I don't know, literally. When when you were saying like, who am I to do this? All I could think of was, who else is gonna do it? Like it's you. It's a hundred percent you. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like I feel very like very much called. Like I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. For where I'm at yeah. in my life at this point in time, I feel very strongly about that. But it's just like, you know, just like that self-doubt that comes in or that self-doubt that is affirmed by like people who like what you're everything that you're afraid of that people think like there's going to be people who think that and like just owning yeah. that and taking it and saying, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to keep mm -hmm. doing my best anyway. And like the people that don't like me don't need to like me. The people that don't agree with and can me. I, can I just ask Brianna? What? Sorry, with your, with your clients, Brianna. So let's say you have this elite um, volleyballer who comes to see you and mm -hmm. she's pregnant and she's, she's searched around the globe and she's found you. Yeah. Does she care that you're not 50 and don't have a master's degree in whatever? Well... I don't know, because I'd say that I do have a master's degree in that. Um, and like... You do have a master's degree, I know that. But you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. your clients care that you are really good at what you do. <laughs> yeah, so like, I think like the athletes get it. Um, so what I've seen as a trend, and I know Haley has seen this too, is like, it's not so much the athletes. The athletes like know like what we do and like they see it... Um, and they see that it's really like kind of a holistic approach to it. Um, I think a lot of the times it's the sport coaches that have a hard time um, wanting to feel like there's like special considerations. Like they're either like, no, they're fine. Like I had an athlete once who did this or I like they, she's athletic enough. She's fine. Like we can just modify. She just won't do this or that. And like, they almost like try to bro splain. That's, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I'm so smart guys. Listen to me. Um, <laughs> like they just like try it. Yeah. They, they just, they're explaining from a place of not knowing and like trying to counter that with actually like, I am the expert on pregnancy and postpartum athleticism and you are an expert 
in blank. And I'm not telling you how to do your job as a blank coach, but I'm going to tell you how I do my job as a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach and how we can work together and how we can collaborate to help this athlete. And she will benefit from both of us doing what we're good at. Um, and like, I am not supposed to be a basketball coach or a whatever coach I am supposed to be the coach that I am, which is strength and conditioning coach. And I understand strength and conditioning and performance. And now I understand women's health in the ways that I can understand women's health. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I think that was a mic drop one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I, I was just looking at Marika because I thought Marika was going to follow up, but that's okay. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry about me. I just lost I'm my not I'm worried about me. It's <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. No, no, not at all. No. Not at all. I'm looking at all these different faces and I'm waiting for, you know, like, and with the time delay, sometimes I'm kind of missing it a bit. So I apologize for that. Oh, no, it's okay. I just, I keep talking, actually. There's no pause. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so tell us uh, really quickly about your course, um, your certification, and um, we'll have a link in the show notes for that. But tell us about it. What, what, how was it born and what were you trying to do with it? How has it evolved? Because 2.0 got released really recently. And uh, what do you want to, where do you see it going in the future? Ooh, okay. Um, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism is a course, online course for coaches and practitioners that want to understand how to work with pregnant and postpartum athletes in, in a wide spectrum of ways. Um, not just modifications, not just core and pelvic health, but really just like a top-down effect. So that's, I think, my best attempt at explaining what it actually is. Um, I was able to bring in, because I, I also try to say, like, I'm really good at what I'm good at and everything else. I bring in people who are also really good at what they're good at to complement the material that coaches need to understand. I don't want to be an expert on everything. I want to be good at what I'm good at. Um, and part of that is knowing who to refer to and like who to like have, we're all like, we can be better by being on a team together. Um, and like so much of my heart is in like a team sort of, um, or my like coaching philosophy is very like team based, I guess. Um, so I brought in like so many different people to like interview and like collaborate on the course to provide, um, like insight into, you know, their considerations from gosh, everything, like literally every single topic from um, business to pelvic health, to, you know, diastasis, to coaching philosophy and communication. Like I, I just tried to fill in every single gap that coaches, whether they're new and coming into this field or, um, a really experienced need to have in order to work with this population and grow their business in doing so or start a business or whatever it might be. So um, that also ties in that top-down effect, whether you've been in it for a long time or just starting out, like the spectrum is there for you to walk and you have, you don't have to go searching and say, well, how do I do this? And why didn't I know that? Like I tried to 
in this new version collect as much information as they could to just fill in what was missing. Like you can't, it's not just about modifications. It's about, do you actually know how to coach people? Like coach, coach, do you know how to communicate with people? Do you know how to refer to people? Do you know how to structure a online consult? Do you know how to structure a six week program? Do you know what progressive overload is? Like just like very basic exercise science principles that I think get lost in pre and postnatal fitness. Cause it's like, just modify and just exhale before you move. Like, that's not it, you know? Like, that is this tiny part of it. And then, like, the part that, like, I think I gravitate to a lot is, um, like, you know, the athlete brain side and just working with athletes and knowing just different considerations for that. Um, what else did you ask about that? <laughs> where, where is it going? Where is it going? Um, well, I hope it just keeps going everywhere. I hope that it just gets into the hands of more and more coaches all over the world. Um, we have about 600 coaches who are enrolled in the course. And to me, working with coaches is so rewarding because I could blab all day to athletes and that helps the athletes. But if you can coach a coach, that coach has the reach of hundreds in their mm -hmm. community, in their classes, in just being a resource, um, whether it's they do a one-off consult or they have a personal training client for 10 years, like they have such a huge reach. So um, I just hope that it just gets into more hands of, um, of coaches who want to be that resource in their community or online or understand how to connect the dots between um, clinical to practical more um, and, and just, I guess, understand more of like the basic strength conditioning exercise science principles that I think just get forgotten but apply so much to basic rehab and injury um, mitigation and rehabilitation and stuff like that. And it's like, we, we have gotten to a place where things have become so complicated, but does it have to be that complicated? Or can we go back to the basics of like, let's just progress you, let's just regress you, let's ask some questions about why are you wanting to do that? What's your outcome? And like, just start having conversations instead of like these hard set rules and um yeah so that's where i want it to go is just more places <laughs> cool I'm, i guess I <laughs> <laughs> that's right you're speaking to the converter because that's exactly what oh i know Teresa, marika and i for sure um you know as physiotherapists physical therapists we want people not to just follow a formula, right? But actually consider the person and and um, you know wild concept, you guys, right? <laughs> who would have thunk it? I know. You yeah. could help people by treating people like people. People. Weird. <laughs> Weird. So, hang on, Brianna. Let let's let's ask you the question. You know, what are the five best exercises for fixing diastasis? <laughs> Total joke, by the way. I'm totally joking. Yeah. I'm totally well, joking. Yeah, five. Yeah. She wants me to list five of something. This is not good. I'm not good on the spot. <laughs> I'm joking. I was totally joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, beautiful. I'll um, be uh, is there any outstanding questions that we have, Marika? Well, I think we could talk to Brianna for like about three years, but well, I, how about I think, we get um, Brianna back on? And how about you listeners yeah, tell us what you would love to us to talk to Brianna about? And of course, we're having Haley on really soon. So by the time you hear this, <laughs> Haley's podcast should be in the can and um, and and produced. So um, 
you know, it, it's going to be fun. But we, we, you know, we, I say we, but we do. We love you both. We love all of you. And um, we're going to have Teresa on the podcast. And we'll, we'll, we'll get lots of things going. And this is not your only opportunity to, to share your message on our podcast. You know, you've, we've had so many hours worth of conversations to personally that, you know, we can talk forever, like you said. And um, we have. And we have. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for, um, for being on the podcast. Are there any, any last words that you want to share with us? <laughs> I think ah. I shared all the words. Um, <laughs> just thank you for having me on and for your support through the years and advocacy. Yeah, thank you. And where can people find you? The best place to find you? Uh, my website pretty much has everything I have from free resources to products for both athletes and coaches. And that is www.briannabattles.com. And um, Instagram is just Brianna.battles. Facebook. Do people still use Facebook? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Brianna Battles. <laughs> Pregnancy and postpartum athleticism. I don't know. I think that's it. Cool. Well, we'll make sure that they're in the show notes and that everything cool. get, gets linked up. Haley, Teresa, any other outstanding comments? <laughs> no, just, or, just a silent <laughs> ghost over here. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Please be sure to hit like if you enjoyed this episode and leave any comments or questions below because we'd really love to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified of when we release a new episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.